I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and you're listening to The Goop Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time, here's what you can expect. Every Thursday and a bunch of Tuesdays coming up, Goop editors will be sitting down with thought leaders who are pushing boundaries in their fields. We'll talk to doctors, creatives, CEOs, and relationship experts. You'll hear me interviewing some of the people I admire most in this world, and you'll also hear a lot from my chief content officer at Goop, Elise Lunin. I love listening to Elise's interviews because she asks the smartest questions and really just listens. Today, Elise is continuing her special detox series, which is running on Tuesdays throughout January. Her guest for this episode is Deanna Minnick. Deanna is a functional nutritionist and health educator with two plus decades of experience in nutrition, mind-body health, and functional medicine. Deanna holds a master's and a doctorate degree in nutrition, and she's the author of The Rainbow Diet and The Whole Detox. Elise asked Deanna about her holistic approach to detox and why she thinks it's equally important that we consider the health of the mind, body, and soul. And I think everything is subjective, really and truly. I mean, even science pretends to be objective. It does its best, but there's always a researcher behind that study who always has kind of a view of how it's going to turn out. So I kind of feel like science and spirituality need to start talking to one another, that art and medicine need to join hands because otherwise we're fragmented. We'll get to Elise and Deanna in just a minute. One of my favorite weekends is coming up. On Saturday, March 9th, we'll be back in New York City for our next InGoop Health, which is our big wellness summit. We started InGoop Health to answer this question, can you change your life in a day? On one level, we all know the answer, because if you've fallen in love, fallen out with a friend, had a child, started a new job, you know that change happens in an instant. But what about the smaller, imperceptible paradigm shifts that give you an entirely different vantage point? What about that nugget of information that is so deeply resonant, it takes hold in your soul until you're forced to look at what it might mean to you? Sometimes those little things prove to be the most profound. That's what an InGoop Health Day is all about. There are talks and panels where some of the brightest thought leaders share new information, insights, and perspective. There are wellness experiences and adventures for almost every comfort level. So you can dip your toe in with a workshop on intuition and creativity, maybe get a vitamin B12 shot, or just head straight to the other side with the medium reading. And of course, there's a lot of good food, drinks, and a pretty great community. We'd love to see you in New York on March 9th. To get a ticket, check out goop.com slash ingoophealth. Now let's get to Elise and Deanna. So let's start with detox, which is obviously a concept that's very near and dear to Goop. It's one of the main things that we're sort of known for. And it's also one of the things that is very triggering for people who argue that the body can detox itself and that as a concept, like detoxing is is silly and not necessary. So how do you approach and think about that as a concept, detoxing as a concept? You know, detox has been around since humankind. So I think that there's always been a need for detox throughout the ages. So it's not new. I think that... You know, probably we have just put the word detox into it, but it's always been called something. You know, whether it's cleansing or even through religious traditions, we see it. So I grew up Catholic, 
So we had Lent, 40 days of something that we're giving up. So I think as a human species, we have the need to let go of things in our, in our environment, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual. So how do I talk about it with people? I mean, my reference into it is in nutrition. And when I was doing lots of nutrition protocols with people for detoxing, what I would see is that they would start to let go emotionally or mentally or spiritually of so many different things, like people wanting to quit their jobs or end relationships or get divorces or move to a different country. So there was always something that was letting go. So really and truly, I think it's part of our nature to let go, to cleanse, to feel like, I mean, we even do spring cleaning. It the seasons change and all of a sudden we feel like doing certain things. So I think it's within our nature. And if you look at ancient traditions of healing, like traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, what you see is they also talk about letting go and detoxifying. They do it in different ways, whether through oils or herbs or sweating or purging in a variety of ways through foods or or other medicinals. And so it's not a new concept. I feel like, you know, in the 21st century, it's so funny when people try to debunk detox with me because I say, you know, we come, it's probably one of the oldest practices of humankind is to cleanse, to let go, and to really reevaluate what we need in our lives and what we don't. No, it's true. And, you know, even thinking of Ayurveda and Panchakarma and how you're touched in like all different ways. I mean, from the like, you know, the stuff that's not as fun, like oil enemas, but to the incredible <laughs> massages and the food that's dosha specific to the Vedanta and the reframing of your life. Like it can be, I agree, like a, a very profound experience, whether you're framing it under trying to get rid of environmental toxins or you're just taking a moment to really reframe your life. Well, one of the things that you just mentioned, too, is environmental toxins. It's like the obvious. And so throughout time, our society has become more and more toxic. I mean, it's been estimated that we have something on the order of 80,000 different chemicals in the environment. And every year, close to 2,500 new chemicals are introduced. So yeah, we're not even talking the absolute necessity. I mean, I think within functional medicine and within any kind of health or healing practice, there's truly the need and the responsibility of a practitioner to be looking at those things with patients. And so we see that pretty much every chronic health condition is connected in some way to some toxin, whether it's a plastic or it's a heavy metal or it's uh, some kind of endocrine disruptor. I mean, they're all out there in the environment. So it's a necessity. It's no longer a luxury. It's truly something that we have to do to stabilize and sustain our health. And it seems like like socially, too, there's this sort of triggered reaction to it. And then when you actually sort of start asking questions and it, and, and it boils down to it, you're like, but don't you think like if your lettuce, the lettuce is coming out of the earth, like it should inherently be sort of organic? Like, do you really want treated lettuce and people are like right no actually it does make sense but it's interesting how just triggering it is as an idea to so many people um like when you ask them like don't you think you don't want plastic in your body of course they don't want plastic but I don't I don't know whether it, it feels like maybe there are ways that we can position it or push it or create some evidence some a mountain of evidence to you know, sort of make it part of our lives Agreed. You say that very well. And in fact, I think whenever we say the word 
detox or we say the word toxin, it evokes fear. It evokes something that we have to do. It's like another thing in our to-do list, another thing that we have to worry about, another thing that we have to think about for our family. So I think for many people, it feels overwhelming. Just even saying 80,000 different chemicals in the environment, I mean, somebody hearing that just have that wash over them, it just gets the, agre- uh, the adrenal glands squeezing out the cortisol, right? So, I mean, it's a fear-filled response. So one of the ways that I like to position detox is that it's as much detoxifying in the way of taking things out as it is in putting things back in, which is why I focus so much on color, because I want health to be a joy, to be pleasurable, to be fun, to be engaging, and not something that feels like it's depriving, like, oh, it's just another diet, and I've got to go on that diet, i got to give up X, Y, and Z. Well, what about all the things we can bring in? Because when we bring in those things, we crowd out the things that we no longer need. And so I think from that place we can balance it. It's more of a yin and yang, more of a masculine, feminine way to see detox rather than always having to give up something, which again, evokes more the of the adrenal response mm. in my view. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like we, and, and perhaps we're too subtle about it at Goop, but one of the um, things that people always find so surprising about our detoxes or Gwyneth's second cookbook, It's All Good, is they're like, oh, like, this food is delicious. It's nourishing. We really don't even talk about portion control. There, it's not about calories. I think you know a side effect is often people might drop a few pounds, but that's not really the point. And I think that the more we can sort of talk about it as a concept where it is not deprivation based, it is nourishing, it isn't complicated. It's actually much simpler, um, and as a way of just even thinking about what you're putting on your plate, right? Like it's fewer ingredients. I think repositioning it is is sort of essential because then when you're like, oh, it's just it's or whole six or whole thirty or whatever it is, that plan for for whatever reason I think doesn't feel it doesn't have the connotations of a detox, but that's really what it is. You know, I think it's an awareness building exercise, and so anytime you go through something that is cathartic, short term and get you to have a microscopic view of what you're eating because how we eat is how we live and how we live is how we eat. So when people start changing what they're eating, they start changing how they're living, which again gets back to all these people I was seeing where I was changing their food and they were changing their lives. So I do like the word that you used, nourishing. I I do think that we have to move from nutrition into nourishment because nutrition is kind of this 20th century term. And I feel like nourishment is really where we're going in the 21st century. It's about being personalized. It's about being in tune with our bodies. And that's what a detox does. It's it's a reset. It gets us to look within at kind of our elemental selves, the earth, the air, the water, the fire. How do these things symbolically, how are they playing out? Mm-hmm. And so. I think it gives people a certain, it's funny, like I, when I joined you, Many years ago, I had never really um, was my first experience with a lot of these concepts. My dad is a doctor, so I was I grew up in a medical household, but my mom's a nurse. But I did my I did Younger's Clean program, and I know you love Alejandro, and he I love him so dearly. And it was the first time it was a shocking experience for me as someone who has always been healthy. It was after I had my first child, and I couldn't get things. I was just totally felt at sea, and he was he put me on sort of a protocol which included clean, and I felt amazing. And it's true; it creates like he sort of explained it to me as like a blank canvas of 
really understanding what your body what your body doesn't might not react to so well and and so on but it does it does sort of set into motion like a new level of clarity which is why I love what you're about too and I know you talked about sort of the religious or spiritual components of it the emotional components of it and your detox is different because it's not just a nutrition plan it's aligned with the chakras and how did you how did you is it your catholicism like how did you arrive at at that it's brilliant well i'm kind of a hybrid i think most people are they just don't let the other side of them come out so i was a nerdy scientist i'm still am actually and so i was always on a search for truth so I would be looking for truth within scientific studies, and I used those studies in order to try to understand myself out, because I was having a number of different issues, especially that came up in my teen years. So I had endometriosis, I had irritable bowel syndrome, I had really bad skin, and all those three things go together, right? I mean, You have it- glowing skin. I know <laughs> this is a podcast, but that is shocking to me. Well, and it's <laughs> taken decades to really understand what was going on with me. And so... Um, Yeah, I started looking under the hood of science, but then I realized that I could only get so well with food and with what I knew about science. I took my first yoga class when I was 19 years old, and something clicked in me. I was like, this is, there's something here, and I want to start exploring it. So even though I was a biology major as part of my undergraduate years in college, I was also an English lit minor. I always had that thirst for poetry and art history and philosophy and psychology. The subjective matter, right? And I think everything is subjective, really and truly. I mean, even science pretends to be objective. It does its best, but there's always a researcher behind that study who always has kind of a view of how it's going to turn out. So I kind of feel like science and spirituality need to start talking to one another, that art and medicine need to join hands because otherwise we're fragmented. So as I was moving through my journey, realizing that science wasn't the be all end all, I started exploring different things like Reiki, energy medicine, chiropractic, naturopathy. I mean, you name it, I think I've experienced everything. Gems, crystals, um, got into chakras. And chakras were interesting to me because they seem to be an operating system. They seem to allow for a way to think about life. And so from that, I took the seat of chakras and I started to build onto it with food and lifestyle because I wasn't finding that anywhere. I wasn't finding that in the ancient books. I wasn't finding that even in contemporary books. And I started to see it in people. So somebody would tell me that they had experienced a loss and they weren't able to eat green vegetables just as part of our conversation. I started connecting the dots like, wait a minute, green, love, heart, what's going on? And then I'd have women tell me that they had issues with their fertility and couldn't have children. And as I started to probe further, I found out that they had issues with being a woman, being creative, being emotionally expressive, and then even further, sometimes into not eating enough orange-colored foods. So I started to connect the dots. In my science mind, I was seeing this artistic picture of colors, life themes, and foods that was emerging in people's stories. So that's how I ventured into this, was (laughs) listening to people, trying to figure myself out, and being a truth seeker, and not just swallowing everything whole, and really questioning it as I went on. Yeah, I think that 
you know, when you think about even he- medicine as healing and we're not robots, you know, it's, it, I think that the desire or the, and obviously it, it makes so much sense, but to try to take medicine and science and always be able to shove them together when you're talking about very like unique and complicated systems and individuals, it's like, there's obviously a Venn diagram, but it's like doesn't go the whole way. And there's so many other factors. It's like how do we, how do we as a whole, as a community, sort of like open, crack ourselves open to like that, that gray matter. You know, the emotional, the the spiritual, the um, underlying factors. You know, it's it's looking at people as like whole and and complicated and not as robots, right? Absolutely. Well, and I want to say something about creativity, too, because that's one of the pieces that I found that healed me. So I had a lot of reproductive issues. I was not an orangey person. I didn't have a lot of orange in my wardrobe. I wasn't eating orange foods. I completely uh, avoided pink, anything pink. And I'm sitting here today with you in pink. And so in my late 20s, I was going through some pretty intense times emotionally, a lot of isolation, depression, anxiety. And something just came through to just start painting. I felt like I didn't know what else to do. I was tired of studying food. I maxed out everything I knew about food and nutrition. And I went to the art store and I bought this long roll of paper and some some bright paints. And I just got on the ground and I started painting. And it felt really good. And I painted this big amoeba-like... I mean, I, I know nothing about painting. I never studied it. I just let myself go onto this piece of paper And I continued. Every time I felt really emotional, I started painting on large camp. To me, it just had to be big, whatever it was. And I started putting these paintings up all around my living space. So at the time, I was a student, so I had them all in my room. And then when I had a house, I started to put them in the house. And it was my husband, who eventually became my husband, who observed these paintings. And he says, Deanna, I think you're painting your ovaries and your uterus over and over again. And they were all orange and pink over and over again. (laughs) So I started to realize, oh, my gosh, my body is unlocking this message for me. And there's something about creativity that I never acknowledged as a healing force. So back to what you were saying about how do we go beyond seeing the body as a robot, as a machine? And I think it comes into the fact that we are all artists. We all have creative life force within us. Every cell within us is growing and dividing as we speak and as we listen. And so there is something about the creative force. And I think that so many people shut down their creativity. Oh, I'm not an artist. Because they have very stoic, rigid ideas of what that means. Like, oh, I have to go and paint like Deanna. No, you don't. It could be how you think. It could be how you drive to work in the morning. It could be how you raise your kids. It can be how you listen to music and start feeling really emotional. And so many people shove that to the side as weakness and don't see it as something healing. I would like practitioners to be asking their patients, how are you creative? Because I really do think that in the whole detox programs that I do, that's one of the things that I'm after is how can we bring out their creative life force, their sense of creativity? Because if I can connect to their creativity, I can connect to their emotions, their passion, and their drive for living. And at the end, I think that that's really what we're all after is happiness, even more than health. And I think that like that, how that ladders up to some sort of greater life purpose. And it's interesting just like hearing you clearly, like you're probably just a 
take this right to the woo-woo, but like you were probably channeling, right? Like you're or, or channeling your own intuition or um, – and I think so many women are, are – I think we're all obviously intuitively capable, but starting to like unlock that and be able to under, like listen to ourselves, right? Like our, our subconscious or – and without guide. judgment. Yeah. You know, I think women especially have so much criticism, so much, the word I keep getting is hostility even, kind of body hate and comparison. And and so we kind of circulate amongst all of those thoughts about ourselves. And when we can find a place where we feel free, authentic and transparent and completely who we want to be. And for me, it was that canvas. I mean, I grew up in a really strict household with a police officer for my dad, and my mom was a health nut who was really into religion. And so I went to Catholic school all my life, from kindergarten until I left high school. I went to, I mean, I had to wear uniforms. I was stuck in a box, and I kind of felt like I wasn't free. And so I feel like everybody needs their place to be free. For me, it was on a canvas. For other people, it might be on a stage. For other people, it might be singing in their car to a song on the radio, whatever it is. We need to feel that sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick break. One of my favorite things about podcasts, in addition to the fact that they're free to listen to, is that you can learn a lot from them and quickly while multitasking, which is the key for me. I live in LA, but I'm lucky that I don't have a super long commute. Still, I can normally take down a podcast episode in a couple days between driving back and forth to the office, and I like to have one on in the background when I'm cooking or doing a mindless chore around the house. While I love that you're listening to the Goop podcast, thank you, there's a goldmine of podcasts to choose from on Spotify, or more accurately, more than 150,000 podcasts, including some of the most popular self-improvement shows. If you want to learn about budgets or business, they've got you covered. If you want to learn about nutrition, they've got you on that too. Whatever you're curious about, you're likely to find some answers on Spotify. If you're new to this, every podcast on Spotify is free. And if you're going to be off the grid for whatever reason, you can download episodes to listen to in advance. So you'll have a full slate to keep you occupied, whether you're up in the air or just on a long road trip in the middle of nowhere. To check out all the podcasts awaiting you and start listening, just pull up Spotify. I really appreciate a weeknight dinner that comes together quickly, but I also like to sit down and eat a meal with my family that feels like it was made from scratch. My happy medium is Gobble. If you haven't tried Gobble yet, here's how it works. Gobble is a meal kit delivery service. Every week, they have a menu with a ton of different options. There are chicken dishes, beef, seafood, and always lots of veggies. So whether you have a vegetarian in the family or someone who is gluten-free or dairy-free, they've got you covered. You just pick the meals you want, and Gobble's team of chefs does all the work for you. They peel, chop, measure, blend, marinate, and then the kits show up at your door. Every meal takes just about 15 minutes to whip up, so you can have dinner on the table nearly right after you get home. Except it tastes like you've been working in the kitchen on it for hours. In our last kit, we tried Gobble's potato pierogies, which were an instant hit with my boys. To get $50 off your first box of meals, head to gobble.com goop. That's gobble.com slash goop. Let's cut back to Elise and Deanna. I think it's interesting to think about too, just like how, how to be in your own body. And as women, I feel like you, particularly after pregnancy and, and you 
sort of vacate your, I mean, in a way, you like give your body over, right, to this child, and then you, it, your body's weird, and your stomach is a boob, and you're, you, you're lacking that connection. And I feel like as a woman, it's been very hard, particularly after having kids, of like feeling like I'm back in my body. Still, my youngest is 18 months, and I think it's so interesting to think about it from a chakra system and like the, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, because it's like you kind of need to line them all up, you know, in order to feel – so I'm just thinking aloud, but even thinking about it from like the nutrition perspective to like line that up, like ground, like get in your body to be able to sort of express that mm-hmm. creative So life let's force. go through that for you even. So a pregnant woman – uh, who has given birth, and then afterwards. Let's just kind of go through the seven systems, as mm-hmm. I call them. So from the root perspective, I mean, really feeling unearthed, you know, needing to stabilize. So that's a big issue, especially for tuning in with your own sense of body, even hunger, satiety, all those things. Secondly, emotions, the flow center. So it's just kind of like feeling emotionally like, I mean, the center has been rocked, right? That's where you just gave birth. And so you had new energy coming in of this child, and then you have to kind of find back your own sense of emotion. The third center, your power center, not feeling that sense of like that you've got balance. So it's kind of like work and the rest of your life. And even within the rest of your life, you've got all these many threads. And how do you keep them all in balance? That's a big one for for women. The heart, the next one, the fourth system, is all about giving and receiving in equal measure. And usually when people become moms, what happens? They give. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not a lot on the receiving end anymore. And then when we get up to the, the truth, the throat, I, I think about how often are we speaking our truth, right? And so we're, we're listening a lot and we're taking in a lot from the child, but we're not really able to engage and, and say how we feel about certain things. And when it comes to the mind, intuition, the third eye center, sleep, mood, dreams. And are you getting a lot of sleep? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> it's also it's also interesting. And I'm when you think about women and you think about the throat shocker, for example, which is something we talk a lot about on Goop and, and its connection to the thyroid and how how like by shoving what we truly want to say, like back down our mouths, like how damaging mm-hmm. that is. And it's, it's even as a construct, like even if people feel like, oh, there's no connection between truth and thyroid, I think emotionally or like just putting your attention on that is so powerful. It's like an undeniably powerful um, thing. Well, I've always said that the throat and how we speak, it's almost like this is an upper birth canal. So women have a lower birth canal, the vagina, and we've got an upper birth canal, the throat. And through the throat, we're birthing our hearts, passions, wishes, and dreams. So if this throat center is stuck, then it's almost like our heart's not expressing. You know, we have kind of, if you look at the chakra system, it's really about the upper and the lower. The lower is all very physical. The upper is all very non-physical, more spiritual, more life. And so... I see that as a, a way that we birth those, whatever it is, you know, our passions. And so for women, they kind of have to put that on hold for a while, especially when they're moms. It's not about them now. Now they feel like it's only about the children and making sure that their dreams become realized. Mm-hmm. But then they forget about their dreams in the process too. And then things become stuck. Words become unsaid. And there, or maybe there's a lot given out mm-hmm. that is not, 
in congruence with one's heart. Yeah. That can be too. And I think that that, and that's a, it's a whole nother conversation, but I think that that pressure, and I feel like it's newer to make the world entirely revolve around your children is so damaging to them because invariably when they leave the house, they realize like, it's really not all about you. And I, I try to be conscious of that as a mom because I'm like, I don't want Max and Sam to be like, but wait, like, hold the phone. I thought everything was about us. So it's it's hard as a woman. It's like finding that that balance, like speaking the truth, like giving the love, but expecting it. I'm not. I have not mastered this even remotely. But it's something I try to think about. Like, there's no. I don't know. I don't know what the the way to like bring it all into balance is. I when people go through the whole detox program, what I often tell the the working moms is to find your center back. Mm -hmm. And if that means having five minutes of alone time, you know, I'm sure that that can be worked out in some way, whether it's through your work day or maybe it's five minutes before you go to bed, maybe it's five minutes in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. But the need to start centering and to give oneself time Mm -hmm. and to, to create those mini dates. I, I think that that's really important for women. We need alone time as much as we need together time. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy. I, I really empathize with you. I, I see so many women that try to juggle. You know, they feel guilty when they're at work. And then when they're at home, they don't feel completely right either. Then they start feeling guilty and they feel like they've got this intellect that wants to go and grow and enrich. And they feel like they need to go outside to do that. So it's this constant conflict. And I think within that dynamic tension, there can be a lot of growth. It's almost like somebody going through different diets. Everything that we're presented with in life is a learning experience. So to extract, to be aware, and to be really centered, I think for women going through that is really important. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And we're it's sort of on us, and I feel like it's it's all happening, and it, it happens in conversations like this and the wider conversations that we have on Goop. But finding ways for women to feel comfortable bridging like those things that were always seen as dichotomies, right? Like work and family and like sort of abolishing some of those conversations and working towards something that just feels more more integrated, isn't judged. You know, I think there's so much, obviously we judge ourselves the harshest, right? But then we judge each other and it's like the as we start to move away from that and start to like find ways of, of finding the center, right? Like let's all align. I can't, I feel like it feels like things are changing. Yeah. And at the very least happen to color. That's what I tell everybody, no matter which health issue, happiness issue that they're dealing with, find a color and start to look for colors in your environment. Start wearing more colorful clothing, you know, just these basic things can really change our psyche. And when we change our psyche, we change our behavior. When we change our behavior, we change our lives. So it's kind of that sequence. And I know I went through a period of wearing, you know, even my clothes or the the walls at my um, home, you know, just having a certain color, a certain resonance. And so what I would say is to start focusing on color as much as possible. This can add a layer of vitality to your life that is kind of subliminal, but Ultimately, it does impact your life through decisions. Says she says the person wearing all black. I'm gonna never, <laughs> never again. Um, well, I'm in New York, so I would anticipate that. But you know, black <laughs> is an interesting color because I used to wear a lot of it as well. And then when I wore other colors, I I noticed how much I felt different. 
relative to that? This is a good wardrobe challenge for me, <laughs> and I have accepted Let's it. Let's do a goop wardrobe, like a 21-day <laughs> clothing challenge, right? It starts there. <laughs> well, Dr. Vinick, thank you so much for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Elise. Thanks for joining Elise's conversation with Deanna Minnick. Her approach to looking at the whole person really resonates with us at Goop. To see more of her work and books, head to goop.com slash the podcast and deannaminnick.com. Thanks again for tuning into the Goop podcast. I'll be hosting Thursday's chat with a special guest. And next week, Elise will be back for her final detox episode on Tuesday and a regular Thursday chat. Hit subscribe to keep up and please rate, review, and share with a friend. For more info, head to goop.com slash the podcast.